This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2309. Can we be the authors of our lives without suffering from main character syndrome? By Ira Israel of iraisrael.com. And I'm Justin Mollick, your very own personal narrator. Welcome to Optimal Living Daily, OLD for short. This is where I read the best blogs to you with permission from the authors, covering productivity, minimalism, personal development, all that fun stuff. And with that, let's get right to another post and start optimizing your life. Can we be the authors of our lives without suffering from main character syndrome? By Ira Israel of iraisrael.com. Quote, our growing dependence on technologies no one seems to understand or control has given rise to feelings of powerlessness and victimization. We find it more and more difficult to achieve a sense of continuity, permanence, or connection with the world around us. Relationships with others are notably fragile. Goods are made to be used up and discarded. Reality is experienced as an unstable environment of flickering images. Everything conspires to encourage escapist solutions to the psychological problems of dependence, separation, and individuation, and to discourage the moral realism that makes it possible for human beings to come to terms with existential constraints on their power and freedom. Christopher Lash from The Culture of Narcissism, American Life in an Age of Diminishing Expectations. It is an old joke that if someone attended Harvard, served in the Marines, or is vegan, you will know it within one minute of meeting him. Scott Galloway adds people who do CrossFit to this list of braggarts. How do we determine if someone is a potential friend or foe when we first meet them? Like many other animals, we need to discern if someone is a member of our tribe or not. The concept of tribal needs to be revisited under the ascendancy of late capitalism, social media, and globalization. In a tribe, usually consisting around 140 or 150 related family members, rarely would a member transgress the established laws or mores and risk being ejected into the wild to fend for herself. But since the Industrial Revolution, with many people living in cities away from their families, under our system of highly competitive late capitalism, coupled with a gig economy of workers continuously seeking their next jobs, many people place a primacy on procuring potential clients or employers rather than establishing secure human connections. Every social situation is viewed as networking. Relationships have become transactional. In Los Angeles, where I reside, I often witness people meet for the first time and do what I refer to as 
hovering, not dissimilar to dogs when they first meet, to check if the person is friend or foe, and then what potential role that person can play in the mental screenplay entitled, This is what I think my life should resemble, i.e. playmate, plaything, partner, or next source of income. Since humans are so much more sophisticated than dogs sniffing each other, affinity grouping is how tribalism manifests visually. Two people see that they are wearing the same brand of clothing or shoes, have the same color credit cards, have similar coiffed hair, or similar handbags or cars, and their lizard brains start to let down their guards. After visual cues, we use verbal language to determine commonalities. What's your name? Where are you from? I love your jewelry. Can you believe the Dodgers lost yesterday? Did you see that Bitcoin drop today? What do you do for a living, etc.? All of this verbal ballyhoo is simply to determine if the other person is a trustworthy member of our tribe or if we should beware. Once safety is established, I've seen many people lunge into either a hard sell or a soft sell. I think this is what Christopher Lash so presciently predicted in The Culture of Narcissism. Much of the technology of the internet that originally intended to bring people together has now been corrupted into exploiting the hedonic treadmill of consumer capitalism. The tools needed to establish authentic rapport have been dulled from overstimulation and having too many choices. Just as an experiment, notice the percentage of emails and messages you received this week that mention some service or online course or new technology or travel experience or something that is gonna end up making your wallet a few ducats lighter. The questions that I always wonder are, where's the authenticity? Can people be authentic when they're selling something? When I lived in Paris in the early 1990s, it was still vulgar to talk about work and money. It wasn't polite conversation. But the American dream and American way has flooded the world with people who think they will be happier if they own more stuff, or better stuff, or different stuff. More, better, different. But it's still just stuff. And once they own more stuff, then they have to tell more people about the stuff that they own. In 1899, Thorsten Veblen called it conspicuous consumption. As you already know, the primary thing that correlates strongly with happiness is the quality of our intimate relationships, our secure connections. After that comes autonomy and agency. Owning more stuff does not correlate strongly with happiness due to the fact that our minds are analogous to hedonic treadmills. Shortly after we sate any desire, it is replaced by another desire. A few years before Thorsten Veblen, Nietzsche prodded his readers to live their lives as they were constructing works of art. Teenage solipsism and nihilism could be waylaid or at least remedied by creating, creating beauty, adding beautiful creative expression to the world through music and literature and poetry and art and sculpture. But how can these artists and musicians and writers effectively market their arts today on the internet without appearing to suffer from main character syndrome or what was previously referred to and sometimes diagnosed as narcissism. There used to be something called the art of conversation where through discussing art and music and literature, people found the members of their tribes. After capitalism implodes and another modus operandi of human interaction emerges, will the next society look back on us as narcissists or as sociopaths? Or is the authors of our lives who just happen to cast ourselves as our own main characters?
You just listened to the post titled, Can We Be the Authors of Our Lives Without Suffering from Main Character Syndrome? by Ira Israel of iraisrael.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you to Ira. A lot of this is what the minimalist authors I narrate talk about. Conspicuous consumption, the hedonic treadmill, that our secure and intimate connections are what truly bring happiness, not things. And we know this, yet it's so difficult to break away from the norm and not buy that shiny new object. And I get it. That's what this podcast is really for, to help you and me both to at least make a more conscious decision about what we bring into our lives, whether objects or living things like people. Because even just second-guessing it can have a huge impact. If we can take away that impulse by being slightly more mindful, we may just lead happier lives. So make that conscious decision today. Hope you're having a great morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this. And I'll see you tomorrow, where your optimal life awaits.